If you have a Bible with you, I want to strongly encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 11. We are, as you've heard multiple times already, examining the life of a follower of Jesus in the book of Acts, a man named Barnabas. And so we're going to be looking at his life again, and this is a story from God's Word that is 100% true, and it is also 100% applicable for 2018. It matters in our daily lives all six days of the week, and most definitely on Sunday when we're gathered on that first day of the week. I want to make you aware of something you're going to see in the text today that I want you to remember. If you have a pen, if you have a journal, uh, if you take notes on your smartphone, something you're going to want to be mindful of as you see a truth from God's Word about the life of Barnabas that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to cultivate in our own lives, and it's this. Barnabas was always adding value to the relationships in his life and the churches that he was a part of. Barnabas was always adding value. He was always contributing to the relationships in his life and to the churches that he was a part of. You know, this past week I found myself in the grocery store with a list of items to pick up for the family. Now that mortifies my wife Amy. It absolutely scares her to death because on a few of the rows I do pretty good. But it's usually when I come upon an item on the shelf that says added value that I'm drawn to in a way that I would not have been otherwise. Oftentimes you may look at something that says for 30% more at the same price, you can have added value to your life. And I don't know what it is, but it feels like I will not be content or complete in life without this item. And then I find that that item becomes two items, which becomes three items. And this morning, I looked in the pantry of my house, and I have several things that Amy didn't buy. I bought, and they're there in the pantry. I haven't used them yet, and I may end up throwing them out after they expire. But nevertheless, they're there because they told me they added value to the experience of being alive. There are so many things that are shared with us, told to us, sold to us, that say this adds value to your life. It happens all the time. You're going to see it today in the grocery store. You're going to see it this week in the department store. You're going to see it as you're online with Amazon. If you buy this with it, you'll get a discount. There will be added value for less cost if you bought it alone. You're going to see this. I'm going to see this. And every time you do, I want you to be mindful that we're in a culture that talks about adding value. And I I enjoy the things at the grocery store. I enjoy the things on Amazon. I, I do. There's nothing wrong with what we see and experience and enjoy in culture. But it is a great thing to really ponder on. As followers of Jesus, are we adding value to the things that we're a part of? And I want you to think about that. Do you add value to the relationships that you're involved with? And do you, involve, do you add value to the churches and the church that you're part of? That's one of the things that we see in the life of Barnabas that God wants us to replicate in our own lives. And when we read this true story from God's Word in just a moment, I want you to see how Barnabas did what he did, adding value and contributing to the mission of the church. And let us pray together today that you and I will be just like Barnabas, who in all reality was just like Jesus. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see where this comes to us from the book of Acts, God's word to us. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read verses 19 through 24 together. God's word says this. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. 
speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed in this good news turned to the Lord. News about this turning to the Lord and large numbers of those who believe reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out this man named Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. And when he arrived in Antioch and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them. He encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. When Barnabas arrived and saw the grace of God, he was thrilled. And he added to what was happening by encouraging the local church. And large numbers of people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that when they write the history of the church at Avenue South, they will say there were men and women who were full of the Holy Spirit. They saw what God was doing. They celebrated among one another. And large numbers of people came to faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that's what they will write about us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we desire for our lives to make a difference. And I'm going to make the assumption that every man and woman in this room wants to know that their lives matter, that they are significant, and they are contributing to something eternal that is lasting. We know, Jesus, that your good news is eternal. We know that your church and your people are eternal through our faith in you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would cause us to add value to the relationships in our lives and the church that we are a part of because of what you are doing inside of us. And the overflow of that would bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. This is our desire and this is our prayer. And we ask you to make it so. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, in verse 19, it tells us those who had been scattered as the result of persecution that started because of Stephen. The church, the church, the first church was established in the city of Jerusalem. And there was a young follower of Jesus, a man named Stephen, who was killed for his faith. There were those who did not believe what Stephen believed about God. Stephen proclaimed that there was only one God and that he is Jesus, God in the flesh. And that only through faith in Jesus can you be redeemed and restored. Can transgressions be fixed, healed, and renewed in a way that you and I can't do for ourselves. And there were those who disagreed with Stephen and they literally killed him for his faith. He was persecuted. And the Bible tells us that great persecution broke out in the city of Jerusalem on the day that Stephen was murdered for his faith. One of the fascinating things about persecution that comes upon the church, and for many of us in North America, there, there is some persecution. There will be people who will quit talking to you at work if you say, I believe in Jesus, or you can only get to salvation and eternal life through the person of Jesus. There will be people that maybe stop being your friends. There will be people who may call you intolerant. There may be people who judge you. There is some amount of persecution in that sense, yes. And some people in this congregation have experienced that. 
But in other parts of the world and around the globe, there are literally people who cannot verbally say, I believe that Jesus is the one true God because they will lose their lives. And when this happened in the local church in Jerusalem, the church was still centralized there in Jerusalem and persecution broke out. But as the people scattered for their very lives, and they scattered throughout the area, the Bible tells us here, they scattered as far away as places like Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, which geographically is just a little to the west of Jerusalem, along the Mediterranean coast. And when the people of God scatter because of persecution, guess what the people of God take with them when they go to different geographic locations? They take with them the same Jesus who has purchased them and ransomed them from sin, death, and hell itself. And they carry the good news of Jesus inside of them, as the Apostle Paul referred to, much like a vessel would hold, a container would hold a great gift or message inside of it. Whenever persecution breaks out in the church, which it may happen in North America, that you may have friends or your children or your nieces and your nephews may be persecuted physically, perhaps one day to the point of being threatened with their lives, when it happens, as awful as that is in a beautiful but broken world, the gospel always advances when persecution breaks out against the church. The gospel always advances. Isn't that the story of Jesus? I'm sure there were people standing at the cross who watched him die and said, what good can come from this? They probably knew all the promises of the Old Testament. They knew what was foretold about Jesus. But in that moment of losing the one they had chosen to follow, the sadness, the emotion, the thoughts that were welling up inside of them, what good can come from this? But in the midst of Jesus dying, isn't what he brought to us life through his very death? And oftentimes we see that cyclically when something happens against the church, against Christians. God is usually at work to advance the gospel. And these Christians scattered with the good news of Jesus to places it had never been. And one of those places was a city called Antioch. And in the city of Antioch, it tells us in verse 21 that there were people who were Jewish there. There were people who were Jewish that had shared with other Jewish people about Jesus. But then Antioch was a well, it was a multicultural and multi-ethnic city, and there were a lot of Greek people there. They were not Jewish. They did not know Judaism. They did not know about Jesus. And so there were Greek individuals who showed up who were believers in Jesus who started reaching people who spoke Greek and started reaching people that were Greek. And the Bible tells us that when people who were Greek in the city of Antioch started to believe, a large number of them began to follow Jesus. This is a great thing that's happening in the church at Antioch. Antioch is one of my favorite churches in the New Testament. Only, in my opinion, surpassed by Philippi. One of my favorite churches, probably right at the top, is the church at Philippi. This is not that sermon, not that time. That is probably my favorite church. One of my favorite churches is Antioch. It was a cultural melting pot. People from all socioeconomic backgrounds, all racial backgrounds, all ethnic backgrounds, all mixed together in this city, and the good news of Jesus starts affecting people's lives in a way where they want to know Jesus. They want to meet Jesus. And they begin responding in droves. And the people in Jerusalem heard this good news. The people in Jerusalem heard this good news, and they wanted to know, is what's happening in Antioch legit? Is what's happening in Antioch a work of the Spirit or just something else that's a passing phase or fad? And so they dispatch a young man named Barnabas to go check it out. They sent Barnabas out to check out what was happening. And the Bible tells us that Barnabas was full of the Spirit. 
That means he had a spirit of power and authority, that God was at work in his life. He had surrendered his life to following Jesus. So they sent him to Antioch because he's full of the spirit. He can identify where the spirit is at work. And I shared with you last week and the week before, one of the greatest things that God just reminded me of, I already knew this, and I often find in our spiritual walk, in our lives of faith, God doesn't really just drop a whole bunch of new information on us. God has a way of reminding us what we already know and encouraging us to believe upon what we already know with the full weight of our lives. And one of the things the Lord reminded me is, the closer you abide with me, Aaron, you will find everything you need in this life. You will find strength. You will find joy, you will find peace, you will find confidence for whatever lies ahead of you. Isn't that what Brittany said when she led the prayer time? She needs those things, we need those things, I need those things, but we can't summon them up consistently over long periods of time on our own. But the closer we abide in a relationship with Jesus, his spirit manufactures those things in our lives. And that's what was happening in the life of Barnabas. He was abiding with Jesus. So when we talk about spending time with God, the other 167 hours of the week that were not gathered on Sundays... It's not just a cliche. It's not just something to suggest for the local church. The greatest thing you can do for your spiritual growth is have a growing, vibrant, flourishing relationship with Jesus as an individual. But we come together corporately on Sundays to celebrate what he's doing. And out of the overflow of what he's doing in our life, we want to share that with others. And the Bible tells us that Barnabas was in step with the Spirit. And when he arrives in Antioch, he celebrates what's happening. Oh my gosh, this is a movement of God's Spirit. Now listen, one of the things that jumps out to me as a pastor is there's a lot of pastors and there's a lot of Christians that don't get excited about what's happening in other churches. There's a lot of Christians and sometimes a lot of pastors that don't get excited that that church is growing or there's success happening over here. Sometimes as Christians we want things to happen in our own lives and we get, you ever been jealous that God's at work in somebody else's life and not yours? I know I'm the only one that has ever thought that thought, right? Okay, so this is just for me, okay? But you can just hang with me during this soliloquy, okay? Like, one of the things that often happens is sometimes we see growth or success or spiritual flourishing in someone else's life in a way that we want it in ours, or we're like, that's awesome. And one of the first fleshly thoughts is, why is that not happening in my life? Or we see another church, and they're having success, and they're growing, and it's, and it's great. And whichever way you want to measure it, maybe by the, the metrics or the stories that you measure, it looks different than a church you've been in or, or the church that you're in currently. And you're like, the flesh wells up inside of you. And Paul said, you'll always war with that flesh in this life. Even though the Spirit is here, you'll always war with that. Maybe you're tempted to, to downplay it or to not celebrate it. But one of the things that happens in the life of someone who has tapped into God's Spirit is it wells up inside of you a joy and an excitement about what he's doing. And it's okay to say, I long for that in my life. I long for that in my church. But I'm excited about what he's doing here. And Barnabas wasn't jealous. He didn't downplay it. You know, and there's some things happening here, but I prefer attending First Baptist Jerusalem. He didn't do that. He said, this is awesome. We're growing in Jerusalem. They're growing here. That needs to be celebrated. And, and one of my favorite things is about once a quarter, I get together with pastors in the community. And from time to time, I'll get together with Elliot Cherry at Midtown Fellowship. And I'll get together with Brandon Owens from First Baptist Nashville. And we'll talk about what God is doing in our churches. And we'll celebrate it. And we'll pray for one another. And we'll text one another. How are you doing to say, God uses all kind of churches to reach all kind of people. And we want to see his spirit do something in our life across our city. And we pray for one another. I love that about Barnabas. But you don't get that attitude unless you're walking with God's spirit. Because you will tend to respond in the flesh instead of responding with a spiritual lens of celebrating what God is doing. 
Barnabas shows up and he celebrates this and he is excited. That's what verse 23 says. He is glad. I mentioned and read just a moment ago. He was thrilled that God was up to something here. Let us be excited when God is on the move. And let us celebrate that. Celebrate that in your small group. Celebrate that in your Bible reading group. Celebrate that when someone has a spiritual victory. Celebrate that. Praise God for it. Give him gratitude for what he's doing in other people's lives. That's one of the hallmarks of Barnabas. We want to be just like Barnabas, who was in reality just like Jesus. Barnabas celebrates this, but then he encouraged them. Because I told you, Barnabas was always adding value to the lives he was involved in. Barnabas encourages them. He not only confirmed what's happening here is of God, but he affirmed and encouraged. He was an advocate for them. He built them up, the Christians in Antioch. He encouraged them. Barnabas was not known. I mean, he he most likely was not a prominent preacher. He may not have been a stellar orator, but he had the gift of encouragement. So what he had, he brought to the table. What Barnabas had, he brought to the table. And he said, I know what I can do. I can encourage these people. It's hard to follow Jesus, especially in Antioch, in a place that does not celebrate Jesus. There's a lot of gods worshipped here. There's a lot of people that worship their careers. They think that's the best way to feel fulfilled and satisfied. It sounds a whole lot like 2018. There's a lot of people that were looking for satisfaction, identity, and worth in marriage, in dating, in starting a family, and whatever it may be. A whole lot like 2018. The longer we are alive and the longer the world exists, the more it looks like the first century. I tell you that so you'll know. The Bible is totally relevant. You and I don't have to prop the Bible up or make it relevant. It's always relevant. It's always speaking truth into our lives. And one of the things he did is he encouraged them. Yes, those who were struggling and like, I'm following Jesus and it's cost me my family. It's cost me my job. He encouraged them. He encouraged others who were like, this is awesome. I have found peace like I've never known it. And if you've ever been with someone who's chosen to follow Jesus and shared their testimony, there have been a few times where somebody says, I have for the first time in my life felt peace like I never, I can sleep at night. And and it is the most beautiful thing to hear someone testify to the Spirit of God and what he ushers into a person's life. He encouraged those people, you keep on keeping on. Because Jesus is everything you thought he is and more. And when this life is over, you'll spend eternity with him where that peace, it doesn't ever end and nothing can thwart it. Keep on going, church in Antioch. He was an encourager. Barnabas was always adding value. And it's not just positivity. I'm not just talking about positive sayings and cliches. Like he is seeing where God is at work in their life and saying, you, I can see God at work in your life and it's awesome. Keep on going. And my question to you is this, when's the last time you encouraged someone, added value to their life, because you affirmed what God was doing in their life? Over the past couple years, I have friends, men and women, who felt they needed to cease a relationship because that's what God was leading them to do. number of circumstances led them to that point, but they said, I, I don't think this relationship needs to continue. And it's hard, and it's difficult, and I had the privilege, Amy and I had the privilege to say, We're so proud of you discerning the voice of the Lord, and that cannot be an easy decision. But we'll be right here with you to applaud from the front row, the balcony of your life. Man, God is at work, and you're listening. And to know you've heard him, even though that prayer hasn't been answered of that relationship, or when will that come to fruition? We're praying that for you. But in absence of that now, to know that you've heard the voice of the Lord, I pray will be a joy to you in this season. Like, when's the last time you affirmed and encouraged someone When's the last time you brought value to someone's life? 
You know, in my late teens and early 20s, I was so selfish, and, and I'm selfish now in certain ways. I catch myself being introverted or self-centered. I mean, I, I know we all do that. But when I was younger, there were seasons of life where I had mentors say, do you realize you ask for people to disciple you? You ask for people to pour into you. Like everybody's like adding, 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 adding to you. I had a mentor say, at some point, we need a return on that investment. And I was like, that's like not Christ-like. Like, why would you say that to me? You know, it's offensive, right? Um, here's the deal. People who love you will tell you the truth. I don't ever forget that. The Bible says speak the truth in love. So, do it kindly. <laughs> and not everybody's going to want to receive it. But I need to sit with that for a while. And I go through seasons of life where I realize I, I am enjoying people adding, adding, affirming, adding. I'm like, man, I hadn't done that a whole lot lately. And, and I would just like to ask you, and if you feel convicted of that question, or like, ooh, I hadn't done that lately. That's not me. That, that is literally the Holy Spirit, I pray, impressing upon you. You have so much to offer others. Are you adding to the relationships in your life? And some of you open up your homes and you have college students and you have others in that sit at your table and you love them and you affirm them and it's outstanding. And others of you, you're at cups of coffee where you have the opportunity and the privilege to affirm and add value to the relationship of someone that you work with. This is literally my question for you. Where are you adding value to the relationships in your life? Where are you adding value to the relationships in your life? And you may say, like, I'm not like Barnabas. I know we're like Barnabas in this series, but I ain't like Barnabas. I'm not outspoken. I'm not outgoing. Like, that, that would feel weird to affirm. Hello, good to see you this morning. Let me punch the time clock and also tell you, I see the glow of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is wonderful. Aaron, that's weird. Okay, not everybody may be like Barnabas. Not everybody may be an extrovert. I, I, that's fine. Let's just start here. This past week, I saw someone in public that I didn't feel like I was supposed to go up and talk to. I don't know them, and that might have felt weird. But I was impressed that I was immediately supposed to be an advocate and encourager for them by presenting that person before the Lord and asking for his favor in their life. And so without them knowing, I kind of sniped prayer them. <laughs> they didn't know it. I'm, like, I'm just here shopping, but like you are totally being covered in prayer. <laughs> you know, like... Maybe you don't verbally say a word of encouragement. But how much better? Because here's the deal. The encouragement from you should come from you are the embodiment of Jesus in the flesh. Not just, I really need to say this throughout my notes. We're not just talking about positively adding good positive thoughts. We're talking about gospel-centered, spirit-led, affirming the worth, the dignity, and the value of humans and what God's doing in their life by the power of God. But how much more important to pause and say, I'm just... I'm going to be their advocate, and I'm going to be their encourager by praying for them, by asking Jesus for his favor and his influence in their life, whatever they may be praying about. When I was a little boy in Bible study, and they would go around and say, what's your prayer request? Somebody would like say something real serious going on. Everybody else would be like, I'm just going to say unspoken from now on. We wouldn't say that, but we would be like, unspoken, unspoken. What about you, Aaron? You get unspoken. Like, and we were afraid to voice what our prayer concern was. You may have an unspoken request. Someone else may have an unspoken request that they've never mentioned to you. On any given Sunday morning, the people in this room are going through life, impacting, threatening, challenging situations and circumstances. People in this room right here. You could, this is going to be crazy. You could even right now voice a sentence prayer in the quiet of your heart for the person seated to the right or left of you. <gasps> you could do that. 
And nobody's going to stop you. Like, at a minimum, pray for God's blessing and his favor and the spirit to work in the relationships you're a part of. And, and Barnabas is, listen, he was an encourager in Jerusalem. He was an encourager in Antioch. That's why I said he's always adding value to the relationships in his life and to the churches he was a part of. He was always contributing his gift. And by the way, we don't have time for it, but in the next few verses, which I know you're going to read sometime between now and next Sunday, that's six days, 167 hours, just carve out five minutes and read the next few verses. Even when Barnabas knew what the, the church needs something. The church needs something. Church in Antioch needed solid theology and sound biblical teaching. And he knew, I'm not that guy, but I know who is that guy. And he went and got a guy named Paul, brought Paul back, and Paul and Barnabas served alongside each other, discipling the church for over a year in Antioch. Even if you know that somebody needs something in the church, but you don't know what the answer is, contribute by praying for them and then working with the staff or others. When we say after a service, come see us, you're like, I, I don't even know what's next, but help me fill in the blank. Be an advocate for other people. Contribute to the churches and the relationships that you're a part of for the rest of your life. But most definitely if you're a member of this church, we need what you have for the maturity, for the growth, for the well-being, and for the effectiveness of our mission. It says in here, in verse 21 and in verse 24, that as a result of what God was doing and people like Barnabas encouraging and contributing their spiritual gift, people came to faith in Jesus Christ. There is no greater thing that could happen in a person's life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, when you get to heaven, it's a literal place, you will meet the Christians from the church at Antioch. And like Prince said, forever is a mighty long time. You're going to have plenty of time to meet those people, to hear their stories, and to find out what God was doing in Antioch, just as they may celebrate with you what God did here. It makes an eternal difference when the people of God add to and invest in the relationships that God has allowed us to have and in the mission of the church. People's lives get changed. I pray that we will be just like Barnabas in that way. And at a minimum, open your mouth this week and tell somebody you see that God's at work in their life. And if you don't know if they're a follower of Jesus, tell them, hey, listen, I pray for you. I know things have been tough. Don't know where you stand on that, but you're not alone in this. I won't bug you out about that. I won't say something every day, but I'm here. I'm in your corner. Say something. Do something. Contribute your spiritual gifts so that we can see people added to the local church and to eternal salvation in Christ. Let me encourage you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment.